Okay, before we introduce this episode's guest, I'm touring It's Personal. Try and have a look. I'm still performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival until April 24th. I also have shows all over this great, great Australian country. Some of it's not that great, but you know the bits I mean. But I'm going to Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Newcastle, Sydney, Perth, Adelaide, all these places. You can find it on my website, ursulacarlson.com or livenation.com.au. Come and see me. A listener production. Okay, welcome to season three of That's Enough Already. I'm extremely excited to introduce this guest. It is Tan France. Now, he's a fashion designer. He's originally from the UK. He lives in the US on the Bible Belt with his husband and small son. He is also on Queer Eye. Now, I first saw him on Queer Eye and I absolutely fell in love with him. We started chatting. It's a Taylor's oldest time when one gay man starts talking to a lesbian on Instagram and then we became good, good friends. And he is just one of the best people I know. Enjoy this episode. You're going to love him as much as I do. Tan France. Tan France. That's quite enough. Just just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. It shush, please. Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. How are you? You know, I'm really well. Exhausted. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Exhausted because uh, I'm a new parent and yeah. life is busy, but really, really, I can't complain really well. How are you? I'm really good. I've actually really enjoyed the pandemic. The, not the actual dying and the sick no. people, yeah. but I've because I'm on the road so much and you'd be the same. Like I'm on the road 300 days of the year. Yeah. And with two kids, it's really difficult to navigate that. This is so offensive. But are you in New Zealand or Australia? New Zealand. I'm in New Zealand, okay. the better Australia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I assume you can going to check because I thought that Australia had allowed people to go in and out quite recently, like a month or so ago. But New Zealand's a little bit yeah. more strict. Yeah, we're a bit tighter. Our mum is stricter. I love your mum. How good is she? She's yeah. fucking great. I wish she was the world leader. Hey, um, because you did that whole modesty range, right? I did. For um, And I just thought that is the best thing I've ever heard of in my life. Here, are, Here's a group of women who need clothing yeah. but have no options. So now you're sitting with that conundrum and it's sort of the same that fat women have. Uh, and I don't like to say plus size. I think it should be called something else, like all that range. Yeah. You know, you, you've got a body and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so can we call it? Yeah. But then, so now you you, you made that range, for, uh, you know, and I'm just like, can we get you um, doing something for the all that range of ladies? Because I'm so sick of looking like a motherfucking sofa. You want to cover your ass because I like I am embrace my body, um, you know, all of that stuff. And there's a whole new wave coming through. It's almost like the new gaze. You have to be proud of stuff that you know, chill out, guys. We're all uh, calm down. (laughs) Um, uh, so uh, you know, I just want to wear clothing that my ass isn't showing out for the world, but I also don't want to look like a sofa. You have like the option now, I can either wear hot pants, yeah. Or I can look like my nan's curtains in the 70s. Yeah. It's like, can we find a middle you ground? You know, I don't know what options are available to you in New Zealand. However, not much in the US and the UK, actually, things have gotten so much better. Uh, here we call them extended sizes. Amazing. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I think here they still call them big bitch. You go in and you. <laughs> yeah, they they emphasizes, but pretty much everyone, which is wonderful. And there's this, the, the, I don't, I know, I'm not endorsed by this company. I'm not sponsored by this company. But there's one brand in particular I like so much. I used it on an episode of Queer Eye. Um, it's called Eloquy. And they do a really good job. They are regular clothes that you would see anyone in. They just make them in every size, which I think is makes complete sense. Why was that never out? A no-brainer. Yeah, of course, yeah. no-brainer. Um, and so, yeah, I used to have a modest brand. I, I started my career thinking, I just want to make women feel hot. And then I came to Utah. Have you been to Utah? Have you been to the comedy thing? Yeah. No, I, I used to live in Texas. Oh, okay, okay, good. So you know the states well. Yeah. Um, so Utah is uh, the home of Mormons. And I didn't know what Mormons were until I moved here. And I saw all these women walking around in clothes that I didn't think were very nice. Um, and I thought, I know there are better options out there. And I understand that you have to cover certain parts of your body, but that's something you can't still feel good. And so, yeah, I created a brand uh, of modest clothing for Mormon women that people found so strange that this gay Muslim guy from England was the head of. But I just, I, it made me so happy and seeing these women. But also, to me, that makes perfect sense. I didn't need who else to do it. They needed an outsider who was like, okay, I see yeah. what you're doing and I don't think it's great. I, my goal was always to, uh, I, mean, I used to put this on the website saying, I want you to feel as if you can go to London, New York, Paris, and nobody will know that you're a religious lady. Yeah. And that's it. I get swing to feel like any other girl. Why don't you have the right to feel as good as anyone else? See, and side note, our Prime Minister, she's Mormon. She was raised Mormon. Did you know that? Get out. No, I thought. No, I Yeah. That's the bit of information. Here's the thing I will say. My husband's a former Mormon. They, the Mormons raised really good kids. Yeah. Really, really sweet kids. Yeah. Yeah. I um, went to boarding uh, school with a few Mormon kids, and I tell you what, good snacks too. Great. Their moms look after their children. The moms, even now, are kind of like moms from the 50s. Yeah. Even in 2022, they behave <laughs> like they're in the 50s. And so they bake real well, they cook real well. Yeah. The moms are highly skilled yeah i felt a bit like that during lockdown i was like i'm a mum from the 1950s you know i was baking i was cooking i was even sewing i was making curtains and stuff you know like oh i don't have access to the outside you're world. a terrible lesbian i am a terrible lesbian you learn to cook and sew isn't that like the anti-lesbian oh no i can't i always could cook one of my exes <laughs> is an executive chef so i could always cook and bake but the sewing was a bit new for me but you i i bought a sewing machine and i just went nuts it was great you know i i've always been a 50s housewife I, my mom definitely raised a 50s housewife when she had me. Uh, from a very young age, I learned to cook, I learned to sew. And I was destined to be like the ultimate Pakistani daughter-in-law um, yeah. who can really take care of her in-laws so well and the rest of the family. And still to this day, I, I don't want to let it go. I think it's such a good skill to know how to cook and sew. I really yeah. do. I think it's yeah. wonderful to be able to take care of yourself. I'm, I'm always surprised when someone goes like, can't sew on a button. Oh, that no. is like the absolute most basic I shit. I don't care how much money you have. I know. You know, like people say to me, just throw it out. I'm like, are you crazy? I know. Just because I can afford another one doesn't mean I should get rid of I it. I know. Do you know there's a, many other things on the flip side that uh, I think I should know, but 
I, I definitely don't because I'm, I think I slipped way too much into gay fairy too young. If there's a light bulb out, I still call my husband and say, hey, can you switch that light bulb out? Because I think mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. And I'm positive it's easy, it is but I just think I don't care to learn. And same with a car tire. Like I've never, ever thought, oh, I should probably figure out how to change. Then you're killing the lesbian in me right I now. I know. <laughs> most people who listen to this will probably think, you're insane. How can you not do this stuff? I just think, well, I can get someone to do it. Four, three, five weeks the time learning. You know, like I was still surprised that so many people don't know how to drive a manual car. Oh, um, so it's like, this it's will same. be on the same. The manual car thing, I think, is unforgivable. Yeah. How do you? How do the people not know how to drive a manual? Well, it's the same. It's like I. I guess it's like trying to work out something old school when there's something new. It's like keeping a horse in case your car breaks down. Yes. You know, <laughs> like. Most cars, like you struggle to find a manual. I've got a manual ute that I drive, but in New it Zealand, took me a long time to find It's rare that you get manuals. You mostly have automatics. Yeah. Okay. In England, it's still very rare to find a uh, an automatic car. So almost everyone has a, a stick shift. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. See, so it's it's different here. Everyone's got it. Like when I just came over, because South Africa is the same. Everyone drives a manual. Yeah. And then when I come come over here, and like you go and just outside South Africa, like Mozambique, like yeah. you can't drive it automatic because there's no roads. Um, so you need a 4 by 4 and you need a manual yeah. 4 by 4 otherwise your ass is going to get stuck in yeah, some yeah. hole. Um, but then when I got here, it's like, oh, you can't, and you pay extra for a manual, like it's something special. I've been yeah, an automatic when I go back to England. I haven't driven a manual in about 15 years. I know how to do it, but I haven't lived in it for a long time. Yeah. And it just is so much easier with an automatic. So I always yeah. do the, yeah, we'll pay a bit extra, I'll just, I want the automatic. It makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it's something real special. Hey, can I just say, when I watch Queer Eye, yeah. and I used to watch it from the beginning because I, like, you know, before you guys took over, yeah. Queer Eye for the straight guy. And then back in the day. Because that was like the only thing that they would put on television in South Africa that the. LGBT community uh-huh. was part of because they were sort of almost palatable. Then years later, they would give us reruns. Did you have a South African version or were you watching an American or British version? No, I was watching the American. Oh, I'd never seen the American. So I just think it's so important. I, You know, I watch some of the episodes and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, especially now in, in Austin. And I'm like, you can almost feel their politics through the screen or you can almost <sighs> smell an episode and you're like, oh, my God, where's this going? No. And then I love that it just absolutely neutralizes everything. Yeah, You can almost feel it yeah. neutralize the situation. You're like, I think, <clears throat> you know, with everything, like politics, if there's a situation, like even now with Russia, Ukraine, yeah. you're like, we need to send you boys in there. I need you to go, to go talk to Vladimir. <laughs> you, you might not know. Do you know why we, we came back as uh, the new show Queer Eye and with us five? Do you have any idea? No. Okay, let me explain. Um, kind. So funny you should mention Russia and the Ukraine and we should, they should send in the queers. Uh, that's kind of what happened with us. Trump was elected. Netflix saw that there, there was this major discourse between the Republicans and the Democrats, uh, which for anyone who doesn't know, uh, that's our, like our liberal and our conservative party. 
Um, and so they said, who else to help bridge the gap and show that we're not as divided as we think we are than the gays? And so that's actually yeah. why they decided to bring queer eye back. And so a few wow. months after Trump came into power, we were uh, cast and we started shooting. Well, I'm telling you, it is, you can almost feel it. Like, yeah. I'm not a crier. Yeah. I don't I'm cry. I just never developed a taste for Me it. Me either. Me either. I, I didn't realize I wasn't. I, of course, now with the kids, I, I will cry when anything happens to them yeah. or, you know, with pride or, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. But I'm alone when that happens yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, but then I, I didn't realise that I'm not, till a friend said to me, we've been friends since the 90s and she's never seen me cry. And I went, no, I don't think that's going to change. So, um, <laughs> But I watch the show and I'm usually alone Yeah. when I watch it and I'm like, you can't help but cry at some of the episodes and yeah. I'm glad I'm not there because I think I've just been bawling my eyes out at the transformation. Yeah, so it's a very, very hard show to film. Somebody asked me the other day, if you could do more episodes, uh, if you could do more seasons a year, would you? And I would even have to think about it. The answer is no. Like it is so emotionally taxing. I don't yeah. know how many more years I can do this because we do it for around about three months a year, sometimes four or five months a year. And it is incredibly emotional. And I'm not a crier either. I, I don't know how much time you spend in the UK. We're not criers. Oh, um, the yeah. Americans are very emotional. And yeah. so it, it takes a lot for me to really get me. However, this season, ever since we got pregnant with our son, something switched to me. And I know that every parent says this. It just makes you more emotional and compassionate and empathetic. And it it's did. It's amazing. My son wasn't even here at that point, And I was still very emotional. And I cried for one in one episode on camera. The rest of the times I cry behind the scenes. And and they don't show me crying on the show. They really like to play into this narrative that have the the uh, stuffy brick. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the heartless stone, heart of stone guy, which it is what it is. Netflix and the production company has an agenda and that's okay. We all have our roles to play. Yeah. Um, but this one episode, I couldn't help but cry and see that it was, uh, we were making over a high school we do that prompt and uh and, it, and because it was kids i just couldn't help but get really emotional thinking i don't want my kids to ever have to go through something like this it was just yeah. maybe incredibly emotional but it's a very hard show to film i love it so much um but i don't even know how auntie gets out of bed and jonathan like they are crying all day every day on set they're in tears and i just think how are you doing this job still? <laughs> yeah. Insane. Yeah, but then they will probably just, you know, like in the old age, just be these real calm Zen people. I know. And you and I are going to be wrecks. I but I, I watched that that high, that high school um, episode. They were so strong Yeah. Um, when they did the time, time yeah. box thing. I was like, it is am amazing, but I bawled my eyes out in that episode when the um, kid was talking about how his mum made him food and instead of using chicken, she used potatoes yeah. and she didn't have. Yeah, I know. And, you know, there was no money and I was just finished. I, was I just, know. I know. I Honestly, I wouldn't be able to do that show. I would just want to stay with these people. Yeah. You know, though, because of how emotionally charged the show is and – we don't call us a reality show because we're not. A normal no. reality show is heavily, heavily, heavily produced. Yes. You do things over and over again. This producer says, she called you a bitch. And then another producer will say, she, could, she said that you slept with this person. And then they'll fight. Our show is not that. The cameras start rolling and they say, you've got, we can, uh, we can request up to three hours. So I always say three hours is I need to get people changed. I need to get people remind. So I always hit a full three hours. 
And so the cameras start rolling and they say, okay, let us know when you finish the three hours. Okay, nothing is reshot. There's zero script ever. And I swear to God, I'm not lying. We never have a script. We never reshoot a single thing. And so what the audience gets is just real emotion um, and, and the most real version of unscripted television. And so I think that that's why we have been rec- we've been received so well. I would like to believe is that there's no separation between the time that you know here and the time that you know on TV. Yeah, but also I think, like you say, there's a lot of scripting and a lot of producing going on with a lot of shows, most of the shows if you watch. Sometimes I watch a TV show and before I got into Tully, I wouldn't understand, like I'd watch a show and go, I don't like it, I I just don't feel it. Like, you know, no way you don't like it. On paper it should make sense, on paper it should work, but it doesn't. And then when I started working in Tully and I'd go work on that show, I'd go, oh, it's because you all hate each other. That's why. And it comes across. Yes. And you don't realise that. Yeah. You don't know at home you're sitting there, it's such as you just hate an actor, you just hate and then when you meet them you're like, oh, because you're a fucking idiot. Yes. That's why I can't, and you feel it through your Tully because you're totally in than just watching this person. Yeah. And I, I have a vibe, and I could be completely wrong, yeah. that all of you just get on really well. We do. I, 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 you know, it's, I, I don't know if you've ever interviewed anyone from a boy band on your show or worked with anyone from a boy band on your show. We're basically an overage boy band. Yeah. And, and therefore, people assume that there's always drama. Yeah. Um, however, I think we're so blessed to be older like we got this job of all in our 30s yeah. and so there was none of the crazy shit that you go through as a teenager in a boy band um and we were all relatively established in our own lives we were married some of us had kids and so it made it a lot easier we all just thought it's a job and we all know that if we don't do this together the show is going to suck every episode can't work if we don't work as a group And so, and also Netflix did something that was really smart, which I hated initially. Actually, sometimes I still hate. Um, They put us all in one trailer. Because we're in people's driveways, we don't have room for five Star Wagons. There's one only. And so there's five grown-ups in this tiny space that is basically half the size of my bedroom. And we're in that trailer together all day, every day, five days a week. Wow. And therefore, you iron out every problem we've ever had. And of course, there'd been fights. Of course, there's been, it's usually about the temperature in that fucking trailer. Always <laughs> um, working somewhere crazy hot and Carvalho gets so cold. He's always freezing regardless of how hot it is. Yeah. Whereas the rest of us are always so warm because it's usually summer and in Texas where it's oh. a humid as and so, uh, yeah, there are things we fight about, but other than that, like we iron everything out so that those things are really small things. I love when people get dressed, right? And you're waiting for them to come out. You're always sitting there or yeah. whatever, standing there, waiting for them to come out. And you've got brain face. Like whatever's going on in your head is on your face always, when they walk out. Always, yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I, But then... Where, you know, you sort of have that just 100% pride or, you know, when they walk out and I can see in your face, like even with those kids when they were walking out, um, just the biggest smile mm-hmm. on your face. And then sometimes, you know, I, I was like, you are holding your tongue here <laughs> with Many some times. people and you can see. Many times, mm. yeah. You know, I, uh, I, the, the, my castmates make fun of me whenever there's something that, 
makes it into the press where it seems like one of us is unhappy is always me because I can't control my face. And it's been, it's been a problem my entire life. My parents have found it insufferable since I was a child. If something happens, my immediate reaction is, oh, like, <laughs> that wasn't meant to happen. And you can see it many, I mean, the amount of stupid memes there are of me pulling a stupid face because something went wrong yeah. and they didn't show it in the episode, but my face is still there. And so I, I, that's the one thing I can't control. However, I think that the nice point about me in all of my scenes is that the, that hero and my castmates always know where I stand. If I don't like an outfit, I'll say, no, that's terrible. We need to work. We need to, we can do better. Yeah. No, do. And I don't want to crap on about queer, but my favorite is when you go into a wardrobe and you're like, what is happening here? Or when someone's dirty and you wash their hair. Oh, he had the most disgusting hair I've I, ever experienced in my life. I could smell that episode in the beginning. I was like, I don't know where the fuck this is going. This whole thing just smacks of the, that episode made me go. There is hope for the world. I do. That was, actually, there is hope for I the won't world. lie. This was, uh, I, I, I said that I am who I am. So I'm just going to be honest and say that was one of the hardest episodes I've ever shot. He was a little difficult. Yeah. He just was like, he was very clearly very Republican. Um, and we've had, Almost everyone we've had on the show has been Republican and we can usually find common ground. He was a little more difficult than most. He wasn't as receptive to as many things as most of them are. They Normally, the way our show works is these people know who we are before we get in. Other than season one, season two, which we shot back to back before the first season came out. Yeah. We shot the second season. And so nobody knew who we were. We were just average folks. Nobody cared. But then after that, people would know that they were going to be on the show. They, they found out they were going to be selected. And so they would watch to see what we do. So they were usually, this so, sounds so arrogant, but it is what it is. They were usually a little starstruck and nervous. Yeah. Whereas this guy had never seen an episode, couldn't care less what the show was all about. All he knew was there was five queer people who were coming to his uh, ranch. And I just thought, wow, you didn't even do the research. You didn't even try and find out Google. what we were all about. Yeah. It was it was really tough, um, and my gosh, being on that ranch was difficult because he lived on these food mounds that smelled so yeah. bad. What you don't see a lot of the time is Cromer was literally gagging because he couldn't handle the smell. It was. I oh, know. I saw some of those in the background. Where he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he literally puked like multiple times because of the smell. A friend of mine, we do this TV show every week, and he goes. I've been preparing for COVID my entire life because oh, yeah. I, everywhere I go, I clean first. Yes. I even, Always. If I sit on a desk um, at a TV show, yeah. I just bring the cleaner, I clean everything, I wash my own cups. Because yeah. people don't give a shit. They will wipe Same. a cup between Same. desks Same. with a paper towel. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, you need some hot water and soap on that. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's because our mothers raised our right pan. That's why. I know. It's so... Basically, everyone on the, the show knows this of me. They were like, this is your time to shine, isn't it? I was like, yeah. When we got back COVID uh, and we started shooting Texas, it was still during the the bad part of the pandemic, the worst part of the pandemic. Yeah. And they were like, you're excited to be back? I'm like, yep, because I'm not actually allowed to touch any of the dead stuff anymore. Yeah. I, I have to kind of keep myself to myself and I love that so much. And I can't hug everyone. 
which is so nice. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I love that. Even shaking people's hands, yeah. the amount of times people put their hands out and you know, you go, this is going to be a sweaty, disgusting mess that I'm going to put my clean hand in. Yeah. And you put your hand in there and on the inside, a part of you dies. Every mm. time you touch something grows, a part of you dies. Oh, so I did something really shitty literally yesterday. And I was obviously not going to tell anyone publicly, um, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> would like to believe I'm a kind person. I, I try really hard to make sure I'm kind. Even though sometimes I get frustrated with people, I try to be really kind. However, anyone who knows me, my castmates will always say, watch out for Tan because Tan's angry, he will tell you. Like, you, won't, you can't cross him without knowing about it. Because I was raised poor. We learned to fight. Yeah. Like, we just learned to protect ourselves. Yeah. Yesterday, I was at, you know, a Delta Lounge. You lived in America. So it's a, an, a, an yeah. airline lounge for anyone that's thinking doesn't know. I was just about to grab some food. I thought, I'm going to go to the bathroom and wash my hands first. So I did. And this guy had just finished from the urinal, urinal, whatever, however you guys pronounce it. And then walked towards the sink. And I thought, oh, good, he's going to wash his hands. He didn't. He looked at his hair did that and then started to leave No, and he was with two other people at like a business but they were business people traveling together a man and a woman he was traveling with and he went over to the food section to go put food out for himself and I saw the two people he was sat with and I went over and I said I just want to let you know your friend didn't wash his hand so be careful what you touch his and you probably don't want to shake his hand and then I went and left the Delta <laughs> and I didn't get to my plan I just thought you should know how dirty your food yeah. is. Like, don't let him put food in the plate for you. Don't share food from him. He's disgusting. Yeah, I cannot. Uh, so I just moved into a house a month ago, right? Uh-huh. And in the po- when you sit on the porch, you can look down the passage and you can see the guest bathroom. Oh, okay. And I cannot tell you how many people that I know. So only people that I know will come to my home. Yeah. Have walked out of the toilet. The bathroom is in a separate room. And just walk straight out. I would say something. If they were in my home, I would say something. Oh, no, I did. Good. I go, oh, you have just skipped the bathroom. Go wash your hands. Oh, no, 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 no. Not up in my fire. You're going to go wash your hands. That's disgusting. Gross. You're touching stuff that I don't Like you go and like a buffet situation, you go and handle food. Like how disgusting. Um, I've basically asked you nothing. I quickly want to see if there's anything that I've written down. Are you surprised at the shit that people Google about you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I so we played a game for an interview. So we just did Principal um, Queer Eye Season 6. And uh, we played a game, and I can't remember what publication it was, where we had to finish uh, the set, the Google search. So is 10 France or was 10 France or whatever. And the random shit that came up was so strange. One of them was, is Tan France white? And I thought, enough people Googled that for that to come up on this. Yeah. <laughs> no, clearly not. Like, that is so stupid. Does Tan France have a girlfriend? You only know me, I'm sure, from Queer Eye. Yeah. And it's very clear I'm gay. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm often confused by the questions. Uh, that people, other things that people will search about me. It's so far off what a normal person would think to Google about me. Like sometimes if something comes up, I'll Google a person's age. I or, always Google a person's age. Yeah. Or who they're married to. Yes. I want to see. I want to yeah. see what your choices. Yeah. That's how I, like if, if you meet somebody, you go, I want to know 
the other side? Like, what do you think is cool? Well, especially now that I'm in this world, um, and I meet... Because uh, we you're new to it. Yeah, four you years. You just kind of... So, so for people playing the home game, um, Tan tried to retire to start a family Jeez. and then started at Netflix on Queer Eye. So, I mean, of course, there were things in the middle. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, sort of auditioning and, and... No, no, this... this but who the fuck starts on Netflix? I know. Most people work up to Netflix. I know. I, here's the thing. I know I'm the luckiest person in the world. My four castmates had done shows for 10 years on things like MTV, AQTV. They'd been working on auditioning uh, and they were doing really small projects. And then finally they got like the big break auditioning for this show on Netflix. And I did it. I, I had a completely different life. I had no interest in the entertainment. And then one day somebody from Netflix asked me to audition for this job because they thought that I was going to get it. And I was like, don't be stupid. That's never going to happen. And I really thought it was going to be, I thought the queers would watch. I thought some women would watch, but it would be a thing. I honestly was planning to just go back to normal life. We were, we were planning on surrogacy. So we finished shooting season one, season two, and then we started planning on surrogacy thinking, the show's going to go nowhere, who cares? And let's just get back to normal life. And then... I, again, this is arrogant, I know, but it became a global phenomenon. We had no, no uh, expectation of what would happen other than some days might, might watch. And then within a week, my life completely changed. It truly, truly changed. Um, and then we won so, we're so proud. We won so many Emmys and we made history. And then, yeah, then I thought, wow, I can't believe that this was all just my bonus career. It yeah. just, it, yeah, I, I'm still in complete shock. Uh, because you, the opportunity that's always yeah. the thing when people go you don't know how many other people have been approached and they've just gone that's fucking insane I'm not doing that yeah you know but to have that and that's what I was saying like that's literally what my TED talk is about because I, I got late into comedy I was 32 yeah. but just that opportunity presented itself and yeah. I went yeah, why not? Why not? Let's take it. Okay, I need to talk it. about you for a second. I know you feel it to yeah. me, but I, this, it doesn't usually go like this. Usually I have the questions for other people. Um, this is a question. If anyone is listening, I can't imagine why you would listen and not know this, but if you're listening and you haven't seen her Netflix special, I have told so many fucking people about your Netflix special in particular. When Edwards, yeah. I promise you I'm not blowing, blowing smoke up your ass. I'm not the person who will ever bullshit you about this kind of stuff. I'm very particular about comedy specials. I have my own show, Dressing Funny, where I take comedian shopping. We're going to turn it into something bigger. I'm very particular about comedy. And most of what I watch is comedy specials, uh, especially on Netflix. Yours was fucking stellar. Just, it was so beautifully crafted. And please don't be offended when I say this. I didn't know of you before this. We just saw, uh, you know how sometimes you'll scroll over and it will give you like a, a 20 second, a one minute clip of the show. Yeah. And my husband isn't the biggest comedy fan. If ever I want to watch a stand up, uh, especially, he's like, oh, let's save it for another day. He always puts it up. I was like, no, this, excuse my language. I was like, this bitch is funny. Like, let's give her a go. And within five minutes, he was like, yeah, we can watch the rest of it. We loved it so much. We loved it so much. And oh. I truly have told so many people about it. I think it's, Incredible, incredible, incredible. And I hope you're working on another because it's so good. Thank you. How are you adapting to fame? Or maybe you've been really famous in New Zealand a lot of time. Maybe I'm not aware. But how do you adapt to fame when it comes to family life also? That's the hardest component for me. Well, you know, when, when my daughter was born, 
I didn't know if we, you know, like I never even thought about should we keep it private, should we, you know, no. what do we do? But then I got um, all these women's magazines phoning me going, we want to come do a photo shoot, oh. and everyone was like really hounding. And then I made the decision then that I'm not going to get my kids in the public. So my approach is this. It's not my life to give away. Yeah. And once I release their privacy, I can never give it, I get agree. it back. I agree. So, and I said to my daughter, because she's very out there now, you know, she's like, uh, why can't I be? And she asked me all the time, what's it like being famous? I'm like, she was scrolling on TikTok the other day and she saw me in a TV. She's like, oh my, like, you know, um, I go, you know, when when you're 16 or so and you go, I really want to be out there. I said, then I'll give Woman's Day a call and we can be in the magazine. (laughs) I said, but not until you're 16, you know, because I said, no, I just keep it all very private. And because I came to it late and I used to work in, in advertising, I immediately got a really good PR person and a manager and I sort of just keep everything. And if anything comes up, I just push it their way and go deal with it. Yeah, yeah, same, 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 same. Um, Okay, let me quickly ask you this. Um, What shits you about other people? Like what's the thing that just frustrates the absolute shit out of you about other people? Oh, God, so many things. I've got a fucking laundry list. Um, (laughs) Many things. Let me start with this because it's just fresh in my head. You know when a plane lands, they get up from their seat as soon as they hit it, boom, which yeah. means you can unlock your seatbelt. I'm like, where do you think you're going to go for the next 10 minutes? Like that Skybridge has not pulled up to the airplane yet. They've opened the door. Like you're stood like a moron as if With your you're about to be. whoever a- chooses to sit. In space. everyone's face. In everyone's fucking face. It drives me absolutely insane. And at the amount of times I wanted to scream, Americans, just sit down like where are you gonna go you've got at least five minutes continue watching your show listen to something on your phone and just do something just keep yourself entertained you know we're not taking off again they're not gonna accidentally leave us on and take us back to wherever you can oh they're sitting guess you don't want to get out let's go your dad's not driving this fucking plane yes it's insane so that really pisses me off people just thinking that i had this also happened to me yesterday (laughs) somebody caught in line in front of me as I was stood to board the plane. And I just thought... In front of an English person? You don't cut in front of an English person? I was not going to say what I said because it was very harsh. And I really, really tried to beat TV's Ted Brands as much as possible in public. But I can't help my ghetto self. And so I was like, I'm assuming you lost your mind for a second, which is why you thought it was okay to stand in front of me. I suggest you stand at the back. And she was like... Excuse me. She was this business lady who was older than me, who definitely thought that I wasn't meant to be in first class. I just must have jumped in line because oh. I I wear a disguise ish when I'm traveling. I wear a hat. I wear a scarf to cover the back of my hair. Obviously, I wear a mask. I wear my sweats. I don't look like ten brands who who put on a look. I just want to get through the airport, get yeah. to my car, get whatever. And so she just thought I was trash. And she said, I'm first class. And I was like, and what the fuck do you think I am, bitch? Move out of my way. Amazing. Anyway, I get that um, all the time. That clearly scared her. And I was like, you better fucking move. I'm about to lose my shit. And she moved. And I just thought, you couldn't just show me some respect. You couldn't just ask, excuse me, are you first? Are you first? If not, can I go in front of you because I've been first yeah. class? But why couldn't you do that? Some things like that. Just people thinking that it's okay to disrespect me because they think I'm broke. 
<laughs> oh, I get that all the time because I'm, I'm this. I look like this all the time, right? Like I, I look like someone's mom. Like I just got back from the school run. The amount of times that I've been in a queue um, to get on a plane in in first or business, yeah. and the air hostess would come up or the ground crew would go, "Excuse me, can you get out of this line yeah. like that?" Yeah. And I go, um, "This is for first, right?" Uh, and now I just go, no. Yeah. And I sort of almost antagonise it. I'm like, why don't you go fuck yourself? You didn't ask to see my ticket. Yeah, exactly. You just went, can you get out of the line? Yeah. And so I always go, I must look really povo. I know, like, I, it's not I, my I fault, but like this, yeah. yeah. I just have to. I try to make sure I don't look fancy so I don't draw attention to myself. When you're an airport, yeah. nobody wants to take pictures. Like I will always say yes if somebody says hi. But I just think I just want to get on, on the plane and I want to put my earphones in and watch a shitty show. And it is what it is. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I do get really frustrated when I just think, you think I don't belong here. And I want to make it really clear that I think you don't belong here because of your attitude. There's nothing first about your shitty attitude. If you grew up poor and now you're sort of nailing it what? and someone still tries to put you back in yeah. that bracket, you're like, bitch. I will come for you. I will come for your family. <laughs> yeah. but especially when it's business. Fair. It's often business fair on these flights in the morning. And I'm always there in my sweats. Again, I don't get dressed up for a flight. And so they always look at me as if, how did he speak into this? And I smile thinking, oh, bitch, say something to me. Say something to me. Yeah. Like, who yeah. Yeah, yeah. Business, I love when I'm when business, baby. Like, who are you working for? <laughs> I love when I'm on a flight and you're like, you know, first or second row and these business guys walk on and they sort of stare at me like, how the fuck did you slip through the cracks? And I, I just want to go, why don't we pull up our bank accounts and quickly have a look in the yeah, 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 yeah. It's adorable. Would you like me to upgrade your wife to you? <laughs> Such pictures. Let me help you out. Okay, last thing. What about yourself? shits you what do you wish you could change about yourself i wish i could show emotion more that honestly the reason why i say that is because it's i'm constantly aware of it now that i have my job i wish i could yeah. emote better than i do i think i'm i am actually getting to the point where i think i'm sick of people thinking i'm just stone-hearted and have no soul i wish i could cry on command like other castmates could no. and so that is the, the one character trait I hate about myself. No, I, I understand this is a personal thing for you yeah. and I don't want to tell you how to feel, but I think it is so important in a world that is so changing and people going, we have to embrace this, we have to be prouder, we have to be a certain type of gay, we have to yeah. be a certain type of people, certain type of parents, certain type. Just fucking stick to your guns. Not everyone needs to cry over everything. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm doing something, yeah. I go, I know my friend's going to cry over this. Yeah. Like, and it almost breaks my heart yeah. when I'm like, oh, fuck, maybe I, I shouldn't do something else. <laughs> and then the other thing that I, I wish I could change about myself is how quickly I get frustrated or snap when something happens to me. And it's a thing that my husband wishes he had because he's the most passive, very, very passive former Mormon boy, like angelic. Somebody could be punching him in the face and he would say, oh, I'm sorry, I think I, I fell into your fist. Like that's how... Did you hurt your hand? Yeah, that's how apologetic he is. And so he would love a bit of mine. I would love a bit yeah. of his thinking. I don't have to always react to something that something is uh, something that should be said or done. Yeah, I guess. But then I also think you kind of need that reaction in society. Otherwise, we'd all just be 
sitting in the middle of a intersection, not moving. You need that level of reaction of aggression of going, move your fucking ass. Otherwise, we'd all just be, oh, no, take your time. I know. There's certain days when I just think I'm really glad I did that. But there's certain days I look back and think, gosh, I should have just smiled and said, it's okay. Yeah. You can disrespect me, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll come. Maybe when you're closer to 50, it'll come. All that you can think I'll calm down. I won't be as uh, excited about a fight. <laughs> also, you're going to watch your mouth a lot more oh. when your son grows old. Because no. uh, I, I do that. I don't even get road rage in the car when the kids are with me. It's like a little switch. You know how you don't swear yeah. in front of your mother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to be an, you're not gonna be aggressive. I hope in front so, of your kid. because I have a terrible body mouth. However, I'm not a road rage person. I never, ever get, just no matter what happens, I think, what's the point of shouting? They can't hear me. Yeah, but to me, it's like releasing tension. It's like, you know, people go to boxing classes and they go, fuck, I just got rid of all this yeah. tension. I do it in the car. Actually, do you know what? That's fair. I box regularly. And I think I get all my anger Yeah, out if there. you stop boxing, you're going to start getting angry in the car. <laughs> <laughs> for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already. It was hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by James Blake and Nick McClure. The executive producer of the show was Sam Kavanagh with thanks to Ella Leav and Beck Sutherland. If you like this episode, remember to subscribe and share it with a friend. Sharing is indeed caring. Listener.